Okay, welcome to the Wayne Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and today we have with us Jason Gintert from Wayne Dynamics. And he's going to share with us some insights on uh, the real hot topic of integrating security into the WAN. Um, for me, hopefully sort out some of the, the hype and buzzwords um, from, from what it all really means. Um, and and ho- hopefully help everybody uh, understand better uh, what they need to be thinking about in this space. So welcome, Jason. Thanks, Greg. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, before we jump into the topic at hand, I wonder if you could just tell us kind of a little bit about your background and uh, and what you do at Wind Dynamics. Sure thing. Happy to. So, uh, you know, I've been in the the uh, WAN space for a long time. Uh, worked for a, a few um, regional service providers uh, for the past twenty years or so. Um, started WAN Dynamics back in twenty sixteen when this uh, you know SD WAN thing started to take off. Just, uh, you know, I was working uh, on product development inside of a, a service provider and was working on SD-WAN products and was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I wonder if we can just go out and do it on our own uh, with an over-the-top uh, telco independent option. So that's what we mm-hmm. started doing. Made our ways into, into the security space, do a lot more with professional and managed network services these days, not just focus on the WAN. We do many other things, too, with the, the LAN and security. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a fun run and uh, lots of exciting uh, challenges along the way. Excellent. Were, um, were you at Cincinnati Bell? I know you're in Ohio. That's, I was uh, not. They are infamous around okay. here, for sure. And I, I know. It's, really it's just that... For sure. Like the, the last vestige of the old, uh, you know, baby bell system from way back, right? <laughs> For sure. And they yeah. own their yeah. territory, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, if you needed stuff done in Cincinnati, they're like the, the telco mafia down there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, We're the I, telephone company. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked for a company called uh, Fidelity Voice and Data for a long time, for about 13 years. And, you know, when I started there, it was dedicated T1s. That was what we were slinging. And then, you know, when I left, we were Absolutely. doing doing uh, big Ethernet pipes with Colo and integrated SIP trunking. So I've definitely seen quite an evolution over the years. It was a big change from when I started there to when I left. And, uh, you know, even more so just in the last, you know, almost five years now that we've been doing WAN Dynamics, man, things will change mm-hmm. quite a bit. Cloud is just, you know, a significant impact on connectivity and, and how things, uh, you know, are coming together. Yeah, for sure. We we started the, the WAN Summit in 2013. And so when I think back on that seven years, like, absolutely, whole thing has changed uh, since our first few events where we were talking about, you know, uh, seeing if you could get Ethernet to connect to your MPLS uh, ports and whatnot. It's it's just a totally different world. So it's been interesting to watch. Totally agree. Yeah. So, you know, our topic for today uh, was security and that's specifically why I wanted you on, especially to bring some of the kind of um, end user perspective as someone sort of working with end users rather than from, um, we've, we're going to hear from SD-WAN vendors, security vendors, that kind of thing. Um, so looking at it from uh, that, that seat of being the WAN manager, uh, one of the things we've seen in our surveys, folks that I've talked to at various events over the last few years, has been that their real issue was, was getting the, the WAN team uh, in concert with the security team and make sure that infrastructure and, and security were coordinated. And still, that's still a challenge uh, e- even now to, with some of the folks uh, that we talked to. So I, I just want to 
from your perspective, kind of what do you think has driven this change that before they, they were really, you know, sort of functionally separate teams, but now you absolutely have to have those two teams integrated? What's what's behind that change? Well, I think that there, um, you know, we were talking about MPLS and private networks and uh, those really being the way that a WAN manager, you know, achieved connectivity across the, um, the, the business. Um, how that's changing is, um, you know, SD-WAN's really shaken that up and that you can use, uh, you know, any type of connectivity to, to produce, a, you know, a business class WAN. And um, when you were in that private network world, it was really easy to drag that traffic back to like a data center or headquarters, right. a central location where the security team could, you know, do whatever they needed to do to, um, to visualize and manipulate traffic uh, from a security perspective. And what's changed is things like local breakout to say, you know, this type of traffic, just send this directly to where it needs to go over the Internet. So potentially the security team doesn't have visibility into that. So I think, you know, when SD-WAN started to emerge, I, you know, you and I both know of a lot of WAN managers who are just like, oh, cool, this is a great way to run my WAN. I want to do this now without really engaging the security team. And then the security guys right. started to realize, like, wait a minute, you're doing what with our traffic? You're sending it direct? Right. You know, yeah. I need to see what's going yeah. on there. And then so the security team started to come back and say, okay, with this new SD-WAN profile, there's there's um, new things to consider. And we, we can't do it the way we used to, which is backhaul it all to the data center, central location, right. to, you know, see the traffic there. Now we have to have multiple points where we're able to um, – you know, intercept that traffic and see what's going on. Or even even pre-SD-WAN, right? So, I mean, as long as you have adopted some uh, local breakouts in the network where folks are getting directly to their cloud services, whatever that may be, um, it's still necessary then, even if you're not counting that, uh, even if even if you don't have SD-WAN installed, and then that's not necessarily um, part of the WAN yet, is that still an issue, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. A, what do they call it? Hybrid WAN, kind of before SD-WAN was right. hybrid WAN and how to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same deal, you know, like the security guys who are, you know, having to get a handle on that. And I think what's different and what's changed is in some of these newer modern platforms is things like um, service chaining capabilities. So the ability to right. you know, take you know, security services, stitch them in the middle somewhere along the way, um, open APIs that allow you know, the, the WAN and security team to exchange information between the tools that they use openly. Right. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's another you know, big factor is the, the, the rise of APIs in a lot of these tools. Mm -hmm. So you think your customers have been uh, ad adopting well in this sense? I think so. Um, definitely. The the cool thing is, is that uh, um, it almost seems like the WAN and the security stack are, are, are merging in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. and there's, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, there's more open integrations to a lot of those platforms now where you can, you know, tie the security elements you, you need in multiple places. Um, so, you know, for example, there's, there's vendors like Palo Alto and Fortinet uh, out there as security vendors that are, um, that have multiple points in the stack. So, um, right. you know, you, you, you need that site visibility. If, if you're doing local breakout, you've got to have some, some sort of element that can, that can um, intercept and visualize the traffic that, that's, uh, you know, before it hits the Internet, also the private traffic that comes across the WAN. But uh, there's also central points of enforcement for, for uh, um, stuff like web traffic and, you know, like, like Palo would have like a Prisma for, for all of that, that, uh, you know, uh, 
say CASB or um, mm -hmm. which is cloud access security broker, you know, a, uh, an element in between to, to back all that traffic to before you send it off to um, a cloud uh, cloud service. Um, and also you know, being able to have some sort of element on site that also does traffic inspection to see what's happening there. So I think the tools are getting more mature, more distributed, but um, yet having, you know, central points of management to see all these things in one pane. Uh, so right, I think that right. as they yeah. develop, and like I said, those open APIs that, that make those, those, um, you know, enable those capabilities, um, you know, they're, they're just, they're getting more mature and I, I'm seeing a lot more, you know, in the past five years, I definitely am seeing a certain level of maturity with security and WAN teams and, and, and more ease in working with one another as they're getting used to it. Yeah, that's encouraging. But I guess um, it's uh, when one one team makes a decision that uh, that greatly affects the other, you have to learn to work together really quickly. Right? Yes, so, definitely yeah. true. So everything we've been saying here were, were all trends that were well underway over the past few years, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, having alternative transport uh, due to SD-WAN adoption or just, you know, sort of hybrid local Internet breakouts before that. But all of this really uh, came to a head in March when when all of a sudden everybody headed home. Um, what do you think has been the the impact there with you know flinging all of these uh, workers who are at maybe a branch office um, off onto sort of private broadband connections and and has that uh, accelerated these changes? Did it cause some challenges even for those who who had already uh, adopted um, these kinds of postures? I will tell you uh, about it from our perspective of the experiences we had as, as uh, managed and, and professional services providers for our clients. We spent April and May buried completely just oh, yeah, you know, working maintenance yeah. window after maintenance window after maintenance window, helping customers mm -hmm. adapt their infrastructure because a lot of them, you know, they dip their toe in, they kind of thought about it. They're like, yeah, you know, we're going to get there someday. And then this happened and, and they all called. So we got to get there now. And right. it was right. um, a lot of accommodating, you know, VPNs. Um, and those cloud, those cloud security services were a godsend for a lot of these customers that just didn't have mm -hmm. the bandwidth in their data center or didn't mm -hmm. have, um, you know, the requirements, maybe the hardware, you know, couldn't hold up if they had, um, you know, physical firewalls in the data center. It just wouldn't be able to physically handle the load of that many users. Right, right. So all of the different sign-ins that it was just used to say, you know, whatever, 200 sites, all of a sudden that becomes, uh, you know, 12,000 or something like that, right? Exactly. So yeah. instead of yeah. like, you know, the 50 or 100 users that might be connected at any given time because they're, you know, on the road or working from home, suddenly become, right. like you said, 1,200 users all working from home simultaneously all day right. um, just to be able to turn up that infrastructure in a cloud-based manner uh, was was a saving grace for a number of our customers but I think it really has broken up open the uh, the model of working from home and really validated the whole um, SASE the secure access service edge model because we you know before we're talking about hybrid WAN and SD-WAN, how that changed the wide area network if you're in a static location. But even further widening it open is remote access users, you know, that are, that are working from home. And I really don't think, even after this is over, that everyone's going back. There's a lot of, you know, organizations that yeah. have said, 
we're, we're now giving you the option. You can stay remote if that's what you'd prefer to do. As long as the work gets done, we really don't, don't mind. So I think that for some, this is this may be a permanent change. Some people may go back. But there's a lot of people who aren't going to. So um, I think 100%. that it's here, here to stay. I think Sassy's here to stay. And, um, you know, I think uh, we all kind of chuckle every time we, we, uh, we I was going to say, we just, we, we need to find a better word. <laughs> it just, it just brings to mind the, uh, you know, the uh, sort of Riot Girl magazine from my youth in the nineties, right? So <laughs> I was going to say, I remember Sassy. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Guy from Fugazi was uh, Sassy's man of the year one year. That was like the highlight of me. <laughs> and one year, wasn't it yeah. uh, the guy from Shutter to Think too? I remember somebody. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. To think and I had a friend who read Sassy magazine. She's like, "Oh, shudder to think that he's, you know, Craig's totally in this this uh, you know this issue." Um, <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, I really wish they'd come up with a, a better better acronym for it. But you know, we've been actually Wind Dynamics, unbeknownst to us, has been been implementing Sassy for for you know the past four or five years yeah that's the key so, so i mean z you know zts or software defined perimeter are concepts that have been around for a while and and there's not it's not radically sort of different to put say that that is at the edge that was kind of the point all along as i understood it right so um but it's what everybody is saying and that's that right so, yeah Okay, Jason. So the you know what when we're talking about hybrid networks, local internet breakouts, usually we're talking uh, in these conversations about DIA and broadband. I think all of the the WAN manager sort of IT infrastructure folks that I normally talk to are well familiar with with the differences in performance and SLA and whatnot that you might get between those two technologies. But is there anything to think about uh, security-wise, or is it uh, from the security standpoint a pipe is a from pipe? From a security really perspective, um, SD WAN and you know a lot of the the, the technologies there and kind of see the the pipes as um, similar in that you're you know it's still going to build what's called an overlay over whether it's private, whether it's public, it's still going to build its own. Um, tunneling and and either dynamically encrypt or in, uh, encrypt all the time the traffic that runs over those overlays. So you know in that regard, it, it, it mm -hmm. doesn't really matter as much. Now the things that do matter is performance for your applications. So that's still you know latency. You still have to account for that. Right. For example, we had a customer that that did a lot of uh, VDI virtual desktop. And they um, switched from like a dedicated circuit with a broadband backup to dual broadband circuits to save cost. All of a sudden, their users are complaining about how slow the mouse mm -hmm. moves on the screen because, oh, shoot, the latency is higher on broadband circuits than it is on, on dedicated Internet access. So, um, you know, those sorts of things are still Absolutely. are still very yeah. relevant. But from a security perspective, you know, I don't know that that uh, much changes. Uh, that it wasn't changing already, you know, the, the local breakout and dy you know, dynamic hybrid piece being the biggest part, directly accessing, um, you know, those, mm -hmm. those applications mm -hmm. and having some, some way to service chain and be able to do um, traffic logging at the edge uh, to, to make sure you see that before you send it off. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, so basically, as they say, uh, transport agnostic in that sense. And, and it seems from what you're saying, even even for LTE or 5G, yeah, perhaps, no, when no, that's absolutely. an option. I, I think the, uh, the underlay, you still need a qual good quality underlay. As far as the um, 
right. method right. of presentation, you know, the actual service type that's attached to it, whether it be DIA, broadband, MPLS, et cetera, really becomes less relevant. Um, you still have to design around, um, mm-hmm. you know, per- performance uh, profiles for applications. But from a security standpoint, it should all be encrypted anyways across the WAN um, site to site. And and if you're going up to the cloud, uh, you know, you obviously are are making sure that your applications are encrypted at some point, whether it's TLS in the application itself or, you know, perhaps encrypting it. Uh, mm-hmm. as close as you can to where that application lives. So maybe taking it back to like a Zscaler and then, uh, you know, having having that um, do whatever it needs to from an inspection and, and policy standpoint before it forwards it to this cloud service you need to get to. This episode of the WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography's free SD-WAN vendor guide. So if you've searched for an SD-WAN vendor, and I know many of you listening to this have or uh, will be soon or, or should be already, uh, you know that it takes a crazy amount of research, and that is where we come in. So we extracted vendor profiles from our very thorough SD-WAN research service, and we turned them into this handy free guide we threw in additional insights on SD-WAN trends as well. So it's really a one-stop shop for all things SD-WAN vendor info. You can download the PDF, search the listings, and bone up on your SD-WAN trends. Super easy. All you have to do is click the link in our show notes to get your copy. All right, so I want to get into uh, more specifically the sort of... um, secure edge, zero trust, if you will, or sassy. Um, you know, when uh, if we were talking about SD-WAN, you know, what, four or five years ago, maybe um, even even more recently than that, uh, you had to then sort of say, well, what do you mean by that, right? So so MEF, as, as I'm sure you know, and, and most listeners are, know, have been working on kind of uh, defining and certifying SD-WAN. Uh, I have a, a strong guess that they'll they'll get to that. Um, their next uh, sort of mission will be doing some similar stuff with with the sassy stuff. But I'm I'm just wondering if you can give us um, your sort of working definition and how you might uh, present it to um, to your customers. I present it as a, as essentially a borderless network. You know, every or or um, better mm-hmm. put, like everywhere is the border. It's it's you know it's the line between trusted and untrusted is is essentially everywhere. It's it's on a remote user's endpoint. It's at, at a branch location that, that may be sending traffic directly to the internet. It could be in your data center. You have to account for mm-hmm. every point in your network. And that requires, you know, w- w- in a zero trust um, uh, framework, uh, having points of inspection of that traffic at all of those strategic points. So in the case of remote, you know, remote workers having some sort of agent that, that inspects the traffic in and out of that host and potentially, you know, immediately VPNing right. it back to some centralized resource that's going to inspect that traffic as it goes. Uh, also, you know, even east-west traffic across uh, a local area network, um, you, when you look at the, the advent mm-hmm. of ransomware, uh, in that getting into networks and is wreaking right. havoc because it, you know, it would get into a LAN and have, you know, there'd be no segmentation that can get wherever it wants to that, that those days are over. Um, you really are going to have to start segmenting, um, strategically, 
um, and figuring out what traffic are really allowed to talk to each other. And I, I think that, so that means like that, that, that really mm -hmm. the lines are going to be as close to the endpoint as you can get them moving forward versus some, you know, centralized model like we were talking about before in the data center or headquarters, like we've traditionally had. So ultimately, does this come down to sort of the, the really what seems like a, a real high level of complexity of, of knowing every device, knowing every user, knowing all of the applications each of those user has. Uh, I mean, does, is, do, do when and security managers have to sort of um, manage this or, or is some of this able to be done from a sort of AI software of, kind of standpoint? I'm uh, emerging platforms that are very good at fingerprinting and identifying devices. A good example would be Order uh, for Scout, mm -hmm. that, you know, has mm -hmm. some, some cool products around this. And I, I know that even some of the SD-WAN vendors are acquiring um you know solutions to integrate with their products for example you know vmware just bought nyansa re recently and that does a great job of uh, analyzing and detecting and like i said fingerprinting what's on the network and what it's doing and what it should be able to do and then having right. you know um, device and role-based controls to say hey that that is you know an IoT device, it shouldn't be trying to do what it's what it's what it's trying to do right now. I need to make sure that you know I lock it down and uh, right, not allow right. it to do uh, to to access those applications. So I, I definitely think that you're going to see this this um, merging. Uh, right now, you uh, well traditionally we've always had a network network based security approach. It's going to have to be much more in depth now. Um, the mm -hmm. ne network of based security. I think there was a, a quote recently from the CEO of uh, of uh, Zscaler. You know, network based security is dead. Um, you know, for the most part, it's it, mm -hmm. you're going to have to monitor all endpoints. Well, again, this was this was already something someone could have brought up a year ago. Let alone after uh, you know, sort of. I think uh, I saw a, a McKinsey report recently that said they expect, you know, after all of this is over still, it'll be something like, uh, you know, four or five times the number of, of remote workers that had been before. That may be really conservative. <laughs> you know, it depends on on how things shake out. But um, but I I would take it from what you're saying then that that remote workers are still maybe one of the biggest challenges in, in putting all this together, um, you know, on uh, broadband uh, that the WAN manager has no access to or choice over, especially, right? You know, maybe um, uh, you have, uh, you know, lack of static IP addresses. Uh, maybe some people are connecting over public Wi-Fi, maybe even BYOD in some cases. Not everyone necessarily got a, a laptop shipped out to them uh, when all of this happened. Um, do you think, uh, you know, ZTS kind of sassy solutions, uh, can deal with all of this decentralization going forward? I think so. And I think forward? you're going to start to see some hybrid appliances start to, to make their way into the marketplace too. Um, so, you know, where you've had, you mm -hmm. know, SD-WAN has traditionally been a branch office with a, you know, a, a firewall router size device, enterprise grade device that goes at each location. I think you're going to start to see more puck like mini versions of that that are going to go into work from home uh locations mm -hmm. so you know you as a worker can take home this little tiny device that will handle all of that for you you plug your laptop in uh to you know the port that says lan on it you say you know you connect up the the wan port to uh um you know into that device uh, or 
even maybe connected over Wi-Fi. Maybe this mm -hmm. little puck can connect to you know a Wi-Fi WAN that essentially is you know just the the the, the internet right. access you have in the house. There's actually an interesting product um, out there uh, from a company called Infiot. It's I N F I O T. Their ex you know Velo Cloud and and Cisco uh, product IoT and work from home. It's actually really great for work from home as well. So they're little, gotcha. you know, they have a little mm -hmm. puck device that, that you can hook up to the network and it will, um, you know, create that, that SD-WAN overlay with a, you know, a minimal, less expensive, instead of talking about, you know, multi-thousand dollar enterprise grade device, a, a minimal device right. that, that right. even is portable. You could throw it in your bag. Um, you know, I think they, they may even evolve to something like a, uh, you know, like, like a little hotspot, pop it out of your bag, turn it, turn it on. It, it enables Wi-Fi, hops on four or five G and, um, does all of the, the, the win and security pieces you need without you really having to do much. So then you don't have to really, you know, for those WAN managers, it, be, it becomes a, a smaller element of what they're used to managing, you know, um, but really the same. Right. But they have visibility then when they wouldn't have right. had visibility. It's instead of them before, having to go so, yeah. to like the, the, the PC help desk team, you know, to figure out, okay, you know, they've got this agent installed on there and all these users are connecting with this agent back into the firewall. You lose a ton of visibility and control as a WAN manager with that approach. But if you can make it more of like a hardware-based appliance, right. just smaller, uh, I think that, that you're going to see emergence of, of, of a ton of those solutions uh, over the course of 2021. Yeah, and good for vendors too, right? If all of a sudden your endpoints, uh, you know, oh, get uh, exponentially larger. I mean, they'll make less <laughs> on the hardware because it'll yeah. be a smaller box, but those software yeah. licenses still apply. <laughs> right, right. So uh, speaking of vendors, then I, I wanted to talk kind of about vendor selection. Um, again, over the past few years, there's there's already a big market of, of SD-WAN vendors, um, you know, in our SD-WAN uh, product we profile, I think seventy five or so. Um, even still, there, there's a smaller core that that are really appropriate for sort of multinational enterprise customers. But now, now we're looking at not just uh, assessing or understanding your SD WAN vendor, but having to understand all of this other service chaining that's going into it. Um, where you, you're more getting, you're buying bundles of vendors, in, including this uh, security piece. Um, so, you know, who does your SD-WAN provider partner with and, and is, is that the security, uh, you know, sort of vendor that you were, uh, looking for, has this been your experience with customers? And, and if so, how do you sort of help them work through, um, sorting out, uh, that additional layer of complexity and our and approach a vendor? traditionally has been to take the best of breed vendors for each of their, um, domains. So for example, SD-WAN, we would say, you know, this this platform's really good at SD-WAN. Let it just manage the WAN and be the traffic cop. If we need to do any of the this security inspection, uh, hand that off to something else. Um, the lines are blurring there a little bit. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of uh, vendors that are starting to tie that in. So right. if the customer does not have, say, a a next generation uh, uh, security solution and, and they're interested in it, we are certainly uh, are able to bring those to bear now because they're, you know, they're integrated with those SD-WAN solutions and vice versa. The security vendors are now adding SD-WAN capabilities to their products and, and starting to, you know, uh, drive into that, th those markets. So it really just depends on incumbent vendors um, and their solutions. I mean, 
and there sd a lot of the sd wan features are you know the, the playing field is, is pretty level anymore you know a lot of the the, the base functionality mm -hmm. is kind of table stakes these days on on just about every platform so i mean i hate to say it but it's, a, it's another one of those right. it depends right. on you know who's managing things and and the, their yeah. current needs but um, we do work with a number of clients that um, need a, a, a some sort of security refresh along with the WAN refresh. You know, when we start to t ask them questions about, well, do you guys right. do this on the security side? Do you do this? And and they start to ask, well, no, should we? Should we be looking at that? Maybe you know, we're, we're not doing everything we should. Right. Right. Uh, and then we can uh, offer them some uh, some either some integrated options that might exist on the platform or, or else, you know, tie another best of breed solution together. Really popular integration for us is, is a speaking of vendors, is like a mm -hmm. VMware Velo Cloud um, integration with, say, Zscaler or Palo Alto Prisma and tying those solutions together, you know, best of breed security with, with best of breed SD-WAN. Right, right. So so when, when someone approaches you, of course, they have they have a budget and they have specific uh, orders from, from the CIO or whatever the case may be. But if they're open, would you suggest they kind of rethink, um, you know, the, the whole stack together rather than just work on I one piece at a time? I definitely think so. I sense? mean, it, it all depends on how standoffish the, the security team is. There's some that have a stack that they've built and mm -hmm. it's so tightly integrated, they just don't want to touch it. You know, they, they'll say, you know, that in those, right. in those organi right. larger organizations that are very siloed, the security team will say, you know, hands off, you deal with your part and, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll deal with ours. The good news right. is I think the walls are coming down in a lot of organizations that whole DevOps mentality is yeah. making its way into enterprise and teams are realizing for, uh, the best possible outcome. We have to be, you know, we have to like kind of cross those silos and and work together on this stuff. So, um, you know, that that's been refreshing. A, a refreshing change that we've seen is uh, is that that there is mm -hmm. there definitely is a changing perception in enterprise when it comes to uh, domains of expertise and responsibility. And uh, a little bit, a little bit more open-mindedness right. than there was in the past. You know, I, I interview a lot of WAN managers, talk to a lot of at conferences, that sort of thing, and and it's it's surprising how often, whatever the topic, although certainly security has been a big one here, that their their answer comes down to not um, the the lack of a technical solution that's available or the ability to find that vendor or whatever, but the political situation yes. from within their organization. You know, whether it's security integration or or maybe there was M and A activity and they there was a you know another network team with their set of vendors that now have to merge and all the. So I think uh, just like anybody else's job, the the WAN manager's job is to uh, be a, a diplomat as much as I very uh, much as agree. And I think you'll start to see, you know, we, we've kind of had the phase one and phase two SD-WAN solutions. Just like you have multi-cloud out there, you're going to have multi-WAN. You're going to have somebody who either by acquisition or change their horse midway, um, have right. multiple WAN solutions and have to manage those. Um, there's going to have to be, you know, tools and yeah, integrations yeah. for doing so. Um, you know, hopefully those open APIs really allow for that and um, you know, enable some of those capabilities. Right. But yeah, you're right. The, the um, man, the political landscape and and forces outside your control, you know, the, the business itself and what it needs um, sometimes drives those decisions. And, uh, you, you know, when managers don't have a choice.
Yeah. And, and on multi-WAN, I like that term. Uh, as, as Sometimes that's even by choice if there's a sort of uh, regional provider that's really best in breed and you end up creating a, a sort of regional WAN, if you will, and then connecting that to other regional WANs rather than thinking of it pure. You know, the MPLS world lended itself very much to thinking of your entire network, regardless of its geographic scope, as one thing. But I think uh, SD-WAN really frees people up to to consider it yeah, in a lot of different sure. ways like that. So Yeah, so just last thing on vendors, uh, uh, just again, thinking through your experience with with your customers, um, what, what are the sort of, we've talked a lot about this in the SD-WAN world, but I'm interested in, in getting to security instead of what are, what are the key factors that you'd want to look for uh, or that you would be considering rather in choosing a security vendor? Uh, is it just like the, the posture of the security sort of like going from like cloud-based like Zscaler I mentioned before, uh, your degree of management, your degree of, of control as a, as a WAN or security manager, or, uh, other factors, what, what do you uh, sort of recommend to your customers there? Um, it, it's typically uh, evaluating, you know, incumbent vendors, what's in place today. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. Where, where are you right now? That's, that's always the starting point. Yeah. Right. And sometimes customer has, you know, a great vendor, just not the right platforms for, for moving forward. So they're, they're, they say they, right. they have a bunch of prem-based firewalls and they, they're migrating to the cloud and the network team is, you know, reluctant to make changes because this is the way we've always done it. When they, and they don't know, there's all these great cloud-based security options under the incumbent vendor you're working with that integrates wonderfully. You know, like, like I, I mentioned to Prisma before, if you're a Palo Alto customer, their cloud-based options in, in Prisma are pretty awesome. And it's, it's really easy to integrate and tie into what they, they are, their tools called Panorama that, um, that manages the whole Palo Alto right. infrastructure. You can just uh, tie it right in to the rest. So you may, you manage and maintain that same security posture and policy that you've already built. You have spent maybe, you know, the last decade building up, just have it applied to all of your, your, um, your cloud-based access as well. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a big factor is where you're at today. And can we do, can we improve upon what you already have? Um, but if not, it, it's really getting down to the business requirements. Where are you going over the next few years? You mentioned mergers and acquisitions. You know, uh, what kind of changes are you making there? How many, how fast do you need to add locations? And does the your means of you know um, sending out a device and getting it turned up is it going to you know meet your requirements as far as how fast you need to grow? Also, just your cloud initiatives. What are you doing in right. the cloud? Um, and we, man, there's so many times mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. uh, application developers are deploying cloud app and everyone forgot to talk to the network and security team about how that gets tied in. So, you know, age old tale since the public cloud Absolutely. came to be, yeah. it's still happening though, it happens all the time. Um, we get brought in, in a lot of cases mm -hmm. and, you know, our guys are, are getting pretty good at doing Azure and AWS and GCP integrations because it's unfortunately typically getting thrown into a firefight. Hey, we already moved this thing and it doesn't work very well. So can you help us? Or right. um, security team just realized that they moved that thing and wait, we can't see everything like we're supposed to. So, um, you know, it, it's, it comes down to those, the, the changes uh, as the business evolves and moves applications around, uh, finding something dynamic. So finding a dynamic security platform that can kind of grow and right. change with them 
that's a lot of times what we focus on. Yeah, for that matter, in, in thinking through sort of uh, all the the you know multi cloud and and where applications sit and where development sits, there's going to be some organizations that are never going to move all of their sort of um, uh, you know applications off premises too, right? So you might have to include some amount of on premise uh, data in there forever, even if you're moving to a cloud for everything yeah, else. Agree, agree, and that's why you know the, a lot of those platforms that that tie those pieces together. Um, you know, I think that there's some, some good, um, you know, I would say legacy security vendors out there that are, are, are doing a great job of handling that and uh, enabling, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, secure access in your cloud instances by, you know, turning up a virtual, um, a, a virtual appliance from, say, you know, an AWS or Azure marketplace to be able to just manage it the way you always have. Um, you know, I, I do find that a, a lot of the native right. uh, cloud tools are lacking from an enterprise perspective. You know, they don't have all of those um, security mm-hmm. bells and whistles that um, a lot of en- enterprise security solutions have. So um, it, as those get mature, there is that option for you to deploy a virtual version, a virtual edition of of a uh, firewall appliance, even SD-WAN appliances, you can deploy as, as you know, virtual appliances in those, those right. cases too. Excellent. Well, any any parting thoughts for us uh, on on this uh, general topic? Or I mean, you've already said I don't a lot think there. So. so I mean, it's it's rapidly changing, uh, and like yeah. we talked about, they the, they are converging the the SD WAN and security space. So you know, keep an eye on. I think twenty twenty one is actually going to be a pretty year, big year for a lot of vendors to to tie these two pieces together, um, which will draw WAN managers and right. and security uh, folks even tighter. I think that uh, there's there's no choice mm-hmm. whether, they right. like not, whether they like it or not, right? Yeah, stay, it's, yeah. it's how we're going to yeah. connect. Um, it just because yeah. the um, the um, applications and um, users are so distributed now, and it's really the only way. Right. Yeah, oh, it's only it's yeah, the, so. the, yeah, it's only going to uh, become more and more distributed. So. Everyone's gonna have to get used to it. <laughs> Excellent. And with with yeah, with that, we'll we'll wrap it up. So so I always like to ask um, a, a question at the end, sort of around uh, what you most um, miss about the the pre COVID uh, life, and and what you're most excited to now that it, on the horizon, it looks like we may be uh, maybe it may take several months, but it looks like we're heading back to um, some some normalcy. So, um, what, what is it, uh, that, that what, first, I guess, uh, what's, what's the last show you went to and any particular that you're looking forward to? I went to a show called frankly, MSP live this year, early, early this year. The company is called Avic, uh, networks. Mm-hmm. They're based in, uh, in, uh, they're in Canada. I'm trying to think of where they're at. I can't think of specifically where they are, maybe Vancouver area. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, Avic Networks, A-U-V-I-K, um, fantastic company. Um, they, they, what they make is um, monitoring uh, monitoring platform as a service. And gotcha. we use it a lot for our customers for, for monitoring. Very, very sharp product, um, easy to use, great for MSPs. Um, went to the, their event in Santa Barbara, California earlier this year. Um, it's called Frankly MSP Live. Really, really great for uh, MSPs. Made a lot of great connections there. 
uh, learned a lot of things. They did a great job of not not really pushing their product too much, just really um, had a lot of um, you know services and talks to enable MSPs, which I thought was pretty awesome. So uh, highly recommend that show. But I think what I miss more than anything is, is um, the spontaneous connections I make at those at those events, uh, traveling and meeting people, getting new perspectives and ideas. I mean, there's only so much that you can um, digest from an internet browser and watching video and and uh, connecting with people over yeah. Zoom. Um, you just there's so many nuances and intangible things that that you don't um that you're missing by not being there in person so um and it's yeah. those those connections you didn't expect to have i i always go to an event with a plan uh, here's the people i'm going to meet here's who what i want to get out of this conference and it's right. the, almost the, always the most Good. insightful stuff that comes out of it had nothing to do with what i went out there for so i think that's what I miss most right. is, is those insights. It just seems like uh, everything's so controlled and scripted without that uh, that spontaneity. So I, I will. I'm looking forward to it. Back up and running and and make those connections and and we got to uh, get together at one of these and have a beer yeah. and talk about music one of these times. Yeah, I was going to say so. So we we learned in in uh, the sort of lead up to this that that we're both from uh, the same kind of independent music scene. So what? So that's that's my final question. Then, what was the last band that you got to oh, see before man. this? Good went question. Down? Um, oh man, I'm unprepared. Oh, I, I know who it was. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you have kids. It's hard for me to get out to a show, but I did. I saw one in January that I was like, oh, I'm so glad so, I went to that unfortunately, show. Unfortunately, right? I have so, teenagers yeah. and my kids yeah. are into the same music that I am. So we okay. take them to the shows with us now. Nice. And we all went yeah. together to go. I think the last show we saw together was Andrew Bird. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did he whistle? <laughs> he did. A lot of whistling. <laughs> He's amazing. Multi, multi uh, instrument virtuosity is something pretty rare out there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to getting back to live music as well. I certainly have missed that. Yeah, and I, I am looking forward to catching up with you on on all of our crossover in the the scenes that we came up in there. So awesome! I appreciate you taking the time uh, during this time of year, and um, we'll let you know when it comes out. Awesome! Thanks for having me, Greg. It was really fun. Thanks very much for listening. The Wayne Manager Podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.